Welcome to the Gems of Motherhood. I'm your host, Sharon Khan. I'm here to connect you with some amazing gems of mothers from all walks of life. Each week, you'll hear interviews as well as resources and actionable tips that you can implement in your daily life to be the best gem God has called you to be. Thanks for walking this journey with me today, and don't forget to subscribe to the show. Now let's get into episode 12 with Vivian Mabuni. For me, it's been a journey to try to learn to celebrate because for the longest time growing up in the majority white culture, Mm -hmm. I just tried to fit in and I tried to push down the Asian part of me Mm -hmm. instead of celebrate that part. And it's not until later on that I realized that it was not an accident that God created me the way he created me. Today, we're going to be talking about cultivating different cultures with Vivian Mabuni. Vivian Mabuni is an author and speaker. She has served on staff with crew for 31 years, raising up the next generation of leaders. Her first book, Warrior and Pink, shares her journey through breast cancer as a young mother. In Open Hands, Willing Hearts, Viv teaches how to say yes to God despite challenging circumstances. She's also the creator and host of the new podcast, Someday Is Here. Viv lives in Southern California, loves drinking coffee with her husband of 28 years, Darren, and marveling at their three young adults. Vivian, it's so good to have you on the Gems of Motherhood podcast. Thank you for having me, Sharon. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. Now, Vivian, I love that you emphasize in your bio that you're an Asian American Christian woman. You know, I've looked through, like, it's so hard to find, you know, an Asian American Christian woman. And so I thought that was so interesting and just such a celebratory for an Asian woman to even include that in your bio. You have three children and they're all mixed children. As an Asian American mother, how did you share your culture and values with your children? Well, my background, I am ethnically Chinese. My parents were both born in China and then they... uh, when the Japanese invaded China, they fled to Taiwan, and then they ended up meeting and marrying um, in Hawaii. And then they got their graduate degrees there and went on to work on their PhDs in Wisconsin, which was where I was born. So that's kind of my background. Now, my husband, Darren, like Mabuni, the last name is Okinawan, so mm-hmm. Okinawan Japanese. So he's half Okinawan Japanese, and then he's a quarter Portuguese and a quarter native Hawaiian. So he was born and raised in Hawaii, uh, where it's majority Asian and a lot of mixed Asian um, kids there. So that's where he grew up. But he grew up in Hilo, Hawaii, which is predominantly Japanese. Okay. Um, so my kids are a blend of all of this. <laughs> and <it's, laughs> um, so their heritage is really, um, it's, it's unique. But I, as I think about the future of the country, the demographics of our the United States of America, um, by I believe it's the year 2050, um, you know, white majority will no longer be the majority because mm. there are so many mixed. different uh, mixed, yeah, mixed races and 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 people are marrying and having um, you know different marriages that are blending together, you know, right. different. Um, heritages and cultures. So it's been really uh, very intentional as a mom to help um, instill some of the cultures and the values of being um, Asian and American. So you have Western values, which Mm -hmm. tend to be individualistic and um, kind of self-actualization type of things. But then you have Eastern values, which are more um, collective and more of an honoring of hierarchy or, right. you know, the elderly 
there's just those things. So we're trying to always bring both to them and help them to navigate that and Mm -hmm. highlight those things as much as we can to help them to really embrace and celebrate their heritage. Hmm, that's awesome. I discussed this with my husband a while back, you know, when we were talking about the Asian culture and the American culture. Earlier, you mentioned about how, like, you know, in the Asian culture is very hierarchical. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's a little bit different in the American culture. As we're talking about Christian values, mm-hmm. I shared with him, I said, do you think it's easier for Asians to be obedient to God? Because of the hierarchical value that we practice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. What do you think yes. about that? <laughs> you know, that's a really great question because as I've been doing, um, I'm working on my master's degree at Talbot Seminary on Bible exposition. Mm-hmm. And the more that I'm studying the, the history of the Bible, even the author's all the people who wrote the Bible came from an Eastern culture. Uh, it was very much holistic. And mm. uh, so Hebrew culture is more closer to Asian culture than it is to European, you know, North American, Western culture, which to me is so fascinating because when you read about in even, you know, the first century Christians that the entire family would come to Christ, um, that's true of the collective. So, you know, when the head of the family decides to follow Jesus, it's less individualistic. Right. And so going back to your question about obedience to God, I do think that we, because we have a greater um, respect for the elderly and respect Mm -hmm. for authority, I think that there is kind of a built-in way that we just think, okay, if God says so, then we know that he's got our best interest in mind right of course (laughs) and that he's right (laughs) you know so 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 I do think that that's true I mean I do think we all struggle with sin and we all struggle with wanting to be in control right no matter what our cultural background but there are some really beautiful aspects of being from an eastern culture that I think really enhances my reading of the scriptures in the same way that as a woman Mm -hmm. when I read the bible I'm I'm gaining things that the men don't get. So when I'm sitting in the classroom and we're discussing a passage of scripture, the insights that I bring often are not the main insights that my male counterparts would bring because Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm honing into the storylines of the women in the Bible and what their struggles were and what it was like for them. And it's just, I think that that's how that works. So in the same way, I think, um, you know, as a Christian, it really is these four different worlds, Asian American, so Eastern, Western, and then Christian woman, all four have flashing value systems sometimes. And so it really is a challenge to kind of navigate and seek to be uh, celebrate all of those aspects of how God made me. Yeah, that's just amazing, right? (laughs) Now, (laughs) now, as we talk about that, how did you share your culture and values with your children? Mm -hmm. Well, I think a lot of um, the values and culture that I have been, I guess, let me go back. I think for me, it's been a journey to try to learn to celebrate because for the longest time growing up in the majority white culture, mm-hmm. I just tried to fit in and I tried to push down the Asian part of me mm-hmm. instead of celebrate that part. And it's not until later on that I realized that it was not an accident that God created me the way he created me. Mm-hmm. And when we read about in, in Revelation, 
where every tongue, tribe, and nation will be represented at the throne of God, you know, one day in heaven, I realized that I will still be Asian in heaven. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't mean that we all become different. We all become the same in heaven. We actually know we bring all of who we are. Um, And so that God did not make a mistake when he created me as an Asian American woman. Um, So I think that that's been something very intentional for my kids to realize um, celebrating how God has made them is part of um, really learning and embracing. So the more understanding and knowledge. So, you know, I wanted my kids to learn how to use chopsticks at a very Mm -hmm. early age. And I wanted Mm -hmm. them exposed to all the foods that I grew up with and learned to love and, and also include Hawaiian food and include Japanese food. Um, we haven't done a very good job with the Portuguese side, but right. we do have Portuguese sauces. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so but even the foods and the flavors, uh, for them to be comfortable in being able to enjoy and eat those different types of foods has been very intentional as well. So introducing those them to all of that has been really, really I think helpful in their formation in celebrating who they are. That's great. Now, as far as you, you mentioned that you grew up in a predominantly white community. How did you overcome that challenge and how did that affect you as a mother? Mm. Well, so I don't know if I ever really fully overcame it as much as I spent my my childhood looking for role models. I think how that's formed me now is I really believe strongly that representation matters. Mm. And when people only see in, for example, in, um, in Hollywood, that the only Asian characters are criminals and they do Kung Fu and, you know, or they're the (laughs) nerdy sidekick, then that's what people start to think Asians are like. And and so I just think that's where representation really does matter, where there can be um, a more holistic picture of Asians can, are athletic, Asians are artistic, Asians can do everything just mm-hmm. like everyone else. And I think that that's where um, it's been important for me. And that's actually some of the work that I'm doing, which is validating the experience of Asian American women. So my podcast is interviewing Asian American women, um, and I'm inviting my non-Asian men and women to also listen so they can learn about culture and history and food and the challenges and mm-hmm. the things we're proud of and things that have brought change. That's awesome. Now, how important is it for you to help your children to cultivate the different cultures? Um, I think it's important for our kids to know who they are and to know their, uh, I think it creates a a strength Mm -hmm. of personhood, a a strength of recognizing uh, who they are and what they carry as far as even their heritage. So, um, I, I think that that's as a as a mom, I think we're always trying to help dis- help our kids to discover what their strengths are, and we want to help cultivate their their talents, their God given talents. I also think that part of, of being a mom is, you know, helping our kids to celebrate their heritage. So even for my white friends, instead of thinking white isn't just it's not a culture, you know, it's actually my white friends are some form of European American. So I encourage my white friends to learn their ethnic heritage as well. Mm -hmm. So I have a friend, you know, Lisa, who's Dutch American. So, you know, she's got, she brings in all these Dutch values because that's what she grew up with 
and that's part of her heritage as well. I have another friend who's white, but her ethnic heritage is Portuguese, and her Portuguese community celebrated through their food and through their different um, cultural activities. And so I think even white, if you are Scottish, you're not, that's not the same as being Polish, which is not the same as being French. So I think every, I think moms really do, it helps your kids to know their roots and who they are and that they are a part of um, a heritage. Mm. Now, I know you mentioned earlier that you're both uh, missionaries and you, you take your children uh, to travel a lot and, and exposing them to a lot of different cultures. You know, for families who may not be able to travel, what would you suggest to them in terms of exposing your children to the different cultures and learning about other cultures? Mm. That's a great question. I think books are so fantastic. And so finding authors of different ethnicities is so important. Um, I think the more that we can expose our kids to the bigger world around us, uh, nowadays with the internet, we have all sorts of resources available. Right. Um, and I think visually even, there's just, I mean, on the Disney Channel, there are so many documentaries of the earth and the world. And I think just helping our kids to realize that the world does not look like the little town that they're growing up in is just a really good practice. But the more that even in our little town, the more that we can take steps to visit other parts of town is really, really valuable. Mm. So, um, you know, just visiting different and learning different worship styles that, you know, just the way we worship in our church is not the same necessarily. And to be able to celebrate that so that there, so that we don't have a mindset that this way is the only way and the right way. Right. Um, That's where I think being intentional about that. And kind of speaking about that, like, how do you think we can incorporate faith and culture together? Or do you think that's Mm. impossible? I think it's very possible because I think that God is the one who um, is the inventor of all, you know, of all the different, you know, different differences, period, mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. ethnicities and countries and cultures. And so all of us are, we, because people are made in the image of God and we express ourselves in different ways and different foods and different fabrics and textures and you know, music and all the different ways that we express who we are, um, that I think glorifies God when there's representation like that. Mm. So um, I think that it's really, it goes hand in hand. I've spent some time in Rwanda um, and when I'm with my Rwandan brothers and sisters in Christ, um, how they worship and how they mm-hmm. um, reflect this and the colors and the textures, all of that is um just beautiful and I think it it gives us a bigger picture of you know what God is like God is not an American and Jesus never spoke a word of English while he walked on the earth (laughs) and we forget that yeah we forget that now you know has your culture influenced your faith or vice versa I mean this kind of sort of like goes back to the first question that we were talking about but like you know to you has, has your culture influenced your faith or, or vice versa? Mm, I think so. And I think part of my journey has has been to um, uncover the ways that culture has 
impacted my faith. Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about a little bit how Asian culture is a lot more collective. Mm -hmm. And um, I I think that I recognize now that I, I read the scriptures often with a value of collective over individual. Um, a lot of times, though, what I was taught in my white church is to think very individualistically. So I used to read um, a verse like Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 about running with endurance, the race that is set before us, keep mm-hmm. fixing our eyes on Jesus, the offense sex for our faith, something like that. And I would read it very individualistically, like it's my faith and I need to fix my eyes. But the writer of Hebrews actually uses the word we, us. Us, us, us. So I think the Christian faith is collective. I mean, I think God intended for us to live in community with one another. And it wasn't so much, you know, my personal relationship with Jesus as much as learning to allow my culture to also be informing how I live out my faith. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, you know, in terms of exposing your know, children to different cultures, and did you have any challenges along the way? And if you did, what were some of the challenges? Um, I think the challenges sometimes is um, accessibility, or it's just easy to kind of um, life gets kind of busy. So in order to be able to kind of disciple our kids mm-hmm. in that way. Family, we would disciple our kids in our relationship with the Lord, discipling them in celebrating their ethnic heritage. Um, I think it really requires intentionality. And so for me, a long, for a long time, like we, Chinese New Year is a really big deal in Chinese right. cultures. Yeah. Um, and I haven't done a very good job of helping to train them <laughs> to understand like the red, the red envelope and who gets who what who gives money to who and and just some of those things which I feel like oh this is a part of their heritage like in Japanese culture boys day and girls day really important and I I need to do my own study to be able to understand some more or you know so as they've gotten older they've taken more time to talk with family members extended family members my parents to learn some more so this last Chinese New Year I was like we have got to go mm-hmm. spend time with the grandparents and learn to learn to fold the chow the dumplings mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. from them and so we we did and that was so important so I think um, you know a lot of it is just through exposure with um, you know family extended family if possible right, right. yeah Chinese New Year is huge in our family too I mean except my all my family are in Malaysia and, you know, I'm the only one here. Mm. And so um, I try my best to teach my daughter about, you know, Chinese New Year and Moon Festival. Um, yes, <laughs> you know, I mean, we have folks, right? The moon cake. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I, you know, I always tell my husband, we have to go and have Chinese New Year dinner. And, and yeah, we have to give our daughter a red packet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so good. Yeah, yes. because I miss celebrating it with my family. I'm like, heck, we're going to celebrate this together. <laughs> yes, very much so. So that's great. I, I, I'm cheering you on. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Now, you just released your book, Open Hands, Willing Heart, Discover the Joy of Saying Yes to God. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? 
Sure. Um, so my book released and it's um, really uh, for me, even the title for me personally is like a recalibrating question. Like mm-hmm. um, the, 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 I think the secret ingredient to the Christian faith is really that of surrendering our will and our future and our whole being to, um, to God. And when we, when we live in that surrendered posture with a yielded life, we actually experience freedom. And I think it unleashes God's spirit to lead and direct and teach and guide us. Mm -hmm. Um, The Bible starts to make more sense. Every vibrant Christian I have ever met, it wasn't personality or, you know, family or anything. It was really a surrendered life, a life that says, yes to God. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. So it's, it's two pieces of that. So one is the posture of our hands. A lot of times we're trying to hold on tightly to our plans, our me, sister. God wants us to open our hands, which means that we would be willing to receive from God mm-hmm. what he gives. And we're willing to let him take away things. If he sees fit, and that's um, a, a posture of surrendered. But there's also our heart posture too, where um, a willing heart is different than a heart that is willful, where it's like we're trying to do it in our own efforts and just be a really good Christian and do all the Christian things in our own effort. Or we could be willless, where it's like, you know what, this doesn't matter, whatever. Um, instead, God asks us to have a willing heart that we are willing to go anywhere to do anything to say anything um you know just that kind of openness to god with a heart and our hands i think really is the, the 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 essence of the christian faith so it's not duty so the book kind of goes through what gets in the way our busyness um apathy mm. um bitterness you know different things like that and then it also talks about what living an open hand looks like, which sometimes means we don't live our plan A. Mm, and right. it sometimes means receiving no, no from God. Um, it means building bridges um, instead of walls. So that's a gist of what the book is about, but I'm really, really excited about it. Oh, that's great. When will it be released and how can our listeners find it? Yes. Well, it, it has been released already. So it's been out in the world for a year now. And there's an audio book. Oh, and there's awesome. actually a five-day... Yeah, there's a five-day version Bible study that I wrote for version that's there. It's one of the, the plans. And um, yeah, so it's already out there. So you can find it at Barnes & Noble, um, Amazon, anywhere online. Um, it's out there already. So yeah. That's great. Now, going back to um, our topic of cultivating different cultures, what are some actionable tips would you suggest for moms who would like to help their children to cultivate the culture of their ancestors and for them to help raise up the next generation of leaders to influence the world? Yes. Well, I would say that for your listeners, um, if you come from any, well, all of us come from different ethnic communities. So as a mom, if you've never, if your ethnic heritage is English and Dutch, you know, take some time and learn about some of those, the history and the, the heritage and the foods that come from those different countries of origin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be something for all of us to do. So, you know, as you are doing with your daughter, you know, celebrating Chinese New Year, you know, just trying to, you know, uh, 
do some research and and learn even from the heritage. My friends who are black, they have such a rich history and the food, right. like soul food, like how to how to make it, how to celebrate the parts of our culture that are that really kind of form how we view ourselves and how we connect with others even. So I would say as a mom, we have a great responsibility and privilege to be able to pass along these things to the next generation. So foods and customs, all of those things, I think we we are the we kind of steer that in our home because we're the ones usually cooking the food and we're the ones usually, yeah. you know, helping to, to set the tone that way. So right. I just encourage moms to, to take the time to do that and to celebrate. Awesome. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with other gems of mothers out there? Oh, yes. Um, well, there's a, a few gems. <laughs> One <laughs> is that we don't, <laughs> I have, I have a handful of gems. I'm sure you do. <laughs> Yeah. So one is that we don't see the end of the story. So in that way, um, all of our, the kids that God has entrusted to us all have their own journey and their own path Mm -hmm. to walk. And we don't see the end of the story. And so if there, if your child is going through a season where there's a lot of doubting or questions, it's okay. It's good for kids to have questions. And it's good for them to be brought up in an environment where they're free to ask questions. And I've actually, you know, my husband are missionaries Mm -hmm. with, you know, a Christian organization, but I remember expressing to them, I believe that Jesus is the truth. Um, But you are welcome to explore the other religions as well, you know, and ask questions, because I believe that if you are sincere about seeking the truth, you will come back to Jesus. Um, and so, and I love you no matter what. You can look into these other religions. You have, you know, my blessing in that because I really feel that strongly in my belief. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes mothers feel a lot of guilt when their kids are going down a different path than they might want. Uh, and I just think, you know, there's, there's a, they are on their own journey in the same way that we are on our own journey. So that would be one of the, the pieces of advice I would give to moms. And I would say just keep the long range view in mind. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we are so um, quick to want our kids to just obey for the sake of just saving time. Right. <laughs> like, just do what I say. <laughs> clean up now. <laughs> yeah, clean up now. And there's definitely, I have to say, there definitely is a place for training them, you know, to do those things. But I also think, though, that the communication and the relationship and the establishing of relationship really does take time and it doesn't mm-hmm. take slowing down. It does take answering five billion questions every day, but it's really right. worthwhile because because of the long range view. So, you know, for them to learn that there are consequences, that's yeah. a good lesson to learn. And for them yeah. to have to live out consequences is hard, but it's really important as well because that's real life. So anyway, those are just some, some of many thoughts, but wow. it's very humbling and it's also an incredible honor, I think, to, to be a mom. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a blessing to be a mom. I never thought that I would be a mother, but God saw fit. Mm. Um, but uh, Vivian, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. You're such a blessing. And I thank you for all the gem nuggets that you shared with us today. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me. 
Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Gems of Motherhood podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more amazing Gems of Mothers and more resources, head over to gemsofmotherhood.com where you can subscribe to the show. That's where you'll find show notes with actionable tips and any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I hope you will find inspiration and learn to cultivate your own journey. You are loved. You're an incredible gem to God. He knows you intimately. He knows what you're going through and he knows what you need. Remember, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in him. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.